Welcome to Money Girl. I'm Laura Adams. I've been hosting this podcast since 2008, and I'm the author of several books, including my Amazon number one new release, Debt-Free Blueprint, How to Get Out of Debt and Build a Financial Life You Love. If you're like many people, you want more health, wealth, and wisdom this year. I know I do. But as January comes to a close, you may already be losing sight of your financial resolutions or all of your New Year's resolutions, or maybe you didn't create any goals in the first place. Well, I say it's never too late. So that's what we're going to talk about on this show. I'm going to give you tips for creating better financial goals. And I'll share an excerpt from my new book on this important topic. I'll give you a free resource to help you get started with your goals and share my personal financial goals for 2019. All of that is coming up in today's show, which is podcast number 577, called How to Set Better Personal Finance Goals for 2019. Want to find out how to improve your work life? Now you can follow along as two journalists try to fix theirs. The new podcast, Works For Me, is a personal journey through the productivity industry brought to you by Bloomberg. Every week, Rebecca Greenfield and Francesca Levy test out expert advice on their workplace problems with mixed results. Subscribe to Works For Me right now, wherever you listen. As you may know, we now have a voicemail number for you to leave your financial questions, comments about the show, or ideas for future show topics. So let's get to our very first audio question. Hi, Laura. My name is Kat. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm so glad that you're a Southerner. Yay! And that you vacation in South Carolina, where I am from. I want to say thank you so much for giving me the confidence to know that I'm mostly doing everything I can right with the money that I have, but also challenging me to take the next step to make it hurt a little bit more using your language and save that much more. I would love to hear you talk about how you would handle special home assessments especially if it is a full condo building renovation that would include tens of thousands of dollars for each unit. That's something that I'm going through, and it's pretty painful. So any advice you have would be greatly helpful. Thank you from Atlanta. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Kat from Atlanta. It's really great to hear from you. So many people may be wondering, what is a special assessment? Well, it's an added fee that can come up for owners of a condo, a co-op, or even a home that is in a homeowners association, or HOA. And as someone who owns a home with an HOA, this is a property that I rent out in Florida, no one likes getting notice of a special assessment. It's basically a charge that owners have to pay to fund renovations or upkeep in common areas. So if your association's reserve fund is low or depleted when those expenses come up, you and your fellow owners have to pay a special assessment. In some instances, assessments could be tacked on to the monthly fee in small amounts until the debt is paid off. But in most cases, it's a one-time charge that's got to be paid by each homeowner as a lump sum. And, you know, it can be very expensive depending on how much your association is trying to collect. Let's say your condo has a roof that's in really bad shape and the board 
might need $50,000 to install a new roof. If there are 50 unit owners, each owner would be required to pay their share or $1,000. Kat, I would recommend that you take a look at the governing documents of your development or your association and find out what is allowed or not allowed in order to levy a special assessment. So find out if it's something that can be paid for over time or if it's gotta be a lump sum. And in some cases, the entire community is going to vote before there is an assessment. So I'm not sure if, you know, what point where you are, if it's already been assessed. But in addition, some states have laws that restrict the amount of money that an HOA can collect in special assessments in a calendar year. So I would find out if there are any restrictions that would limit the amount that you have to pay out of pocket. And of course, you can protest a special assessment if you file a complaint with your board. However, if you don't have a lot of agreement on that from your fellow homeowners, it's probably going to be denied. Unfortunately, special assessments are an inherent part of being a homeowner in a condo or an HOA. Noah likes them, but sometimes they're necessary. So if you're looking to buy a property, definitely understand what could be required of you in terms of future financial assessments. If it causes a financial hardship, I would say pay as much as you can, you know, even making a partial payment while you try to arrange some type of a short-term loan or some kind of equity loan, if that's possible, making a partial payment until you can get some additional funds will at least show the association that you are trying to comply. You want to communicate with the board in writing and tell them how you're trying to resolve your financial obligation. That written communication is very important and could possibly keep them from starting any kind of legal procedures against you if they see that you are making an effort to pay. And if you don't pay, they have the power to assess late fees and fines on any unpaid amounts. And in most cases, they can place a lien on your property. So that would mean if you ever tried to sell the property or get any type of financing based on the property, that that lien would require payment of the debt on the assessment first. And if you're in a home or a condo and you foresee a lot of future assessments, you might consider moving, you know, to another property or home that does not have a homeowners association. I hope that helps, Kat. All right, let's get on to today's topic about setting better personal financial goals. Setting goals can feel overwhelming at times because it does require you to do some deep thinking. The best goals resonate with you on an emotional level, and that makes them easier to remember and keep. You have to get to the core of what you really, really want and then envision the outcomes that you desire. So improving your finances comes down to three steps. Number one, understanding what your financial situation is today. Number two, knowing where you'd like your future financial situation to be. That's the goal setting process. And then acting on what needs to be done to bridge the gap between the two. So the first step in setting goals is getting organized so you can assess your level of financial fitness. I'm going to share an excerpt from my new book that I mentioned, Debt-Free Blueprint, that will give you a bird's eye view of your finances and help you create more meaningful goals. I'd like you to take a step back and look at your financial life holistically and create an overarching financial plan. Why is a financial plan important? Think of it this way. If you were building a new home, 
would you pour a concrete foundation before having finalized your house plan? That would be extremely risky and probably leave you with some major design flaws and regrets. Creating a financial plan is just like having a detailed house plan. It shows what you intend to create with your money. It's part of the process of identifying your goals and determining how you're going to manage your money to achieve them. Financial planning may seem boring, but you just have to hunker down and do it if you want to make the smart moves necessary to live a financially secure life. It's possible to get lucky and end up having enough money to reach dreams, such as retiring with a big bank account or becoming debt-free by chance, but I wouldn't count on it. Financial planning doesn't have to take a long time or be complex. You don't have to be a financial whiz or have a high-paying job in order to achieve your financial goals. Simply reflect on the big picture of your life. What financial and non-financial dreams do you have? A useful exercise is to imagine your life five years from now. Consider where you're living and how you spend your time. In five years, what would you be proud to say that you had accomplished between now and then? Stretch your imagination out further and do the same for your life in 10 or 20 years. Then imagine you're on your deathbed with just a few hours left to live. What accomplishments would make you feel good about yourself even in your final hours? These questions can give you important information about yourself and inspire you to begin planning for what truly matters to you. This exercise will help you identify all your financial goals, big and small, so you know what you're working toward. There are three different types of goals to consider when you're doing financial planning, short-term, medium-term, and long-term. Short-term goals are those you want to achieve within a year. They could be getting out of credit card debt, maxing out a retirement account, or creating a holiday gift-giving fund, for example. Two of the most important short-term goals that I recommend you achieve are establishing an emergency fund and substantially reducing or eliminating any dangerous debts you may have. Medium-term goals are those you want to accomplish in the range of one to five years in the future. For many, a year is not enough time to save up an adequate emergency fund, and so that objective might be a medium-term goal. Other examples of medium-term goals that you may have in mind are making a down payment on a home, starting your own business, buying a new car, or saving for your children's education. Long-term goals are, of course, those you want to achieve beyond five years into the future. The granddaddy of all long-term goals is saving for retirement. To get started, you can download the free financial planning workbook and set aside at least 30 minutes during a quiet part of your day to complete it. If you have a spouse or partner who shares your financial life or goals, you may want to complete your financial plan together. It will prompt you to ask yourself critical questions and take the time to answer them as thoughtfully as possible. Okay, that's the end of the excerpt from my book. And if you would like to get the financial planning workbook, you just need to send me a text message. Text the phrase money plan, M-O-N-E-Y-P-L-A-N to the number 33444. Again, text money plan with no space to the number 33444 and you can get started with your financial planning workbook. 
When I ponder the questions in the financial planning workbook each year, I find that my definition of success is freedom. The goals that I want to achieve will allow me to have the flexibility to work on projects that I find meaningful, like the Money Girl podcast. They'll allow me to work remotely most of the time, to travel more often with family and friends, to partner with companies that share my mission and passion for financial education, and to live an urban lifestyle that allows me to walk more and drive less. For some people, success might be living in a huge house and driving a fancy car. Others might want to own a business or pare down expenses to a minimum so they never feel stressed about having to maintain a high income. Make sure your financial goals align with the future you envision for yourself and your family. So I'll share some of my financial resolutions for 2019, and I'm sharing these with you just as inspiration. I'm definitely not recommending that you have the exact same goals as me. Again, these are things that you've got to decide for yourself. Everyone's outlook and goals are unique. So for me, my number one goal this year is to update my personal financial statement, or PFS. If you're a regular Money Girl podcast listener or you've read any of my books, you know that I recommend using a PFS as the cornerstone of your financial plan. This is the most important tool for getting organized and gauging your financial health. Every time you update your PFS, you calculate your net worth. And net worth is summed up in a very simple formula. It's assets minus liabilities. Assets are items of value that you own, And liabilities, on the other hand, are the debts that you owe. So when you subtract your total liabilities from your total assets, you've figured your net worth. It's really that simple. And the goal is to slowly raise your net worth over time by increasing your assets and reducing your debts. So it gives you a really nice snapshot in time of how you're doing financially. So I like to update that at least once a year. Number two, max out retirement accounts. My husband has a 401k and I have a SEP IRA, and we're both committed to contributing the maximum amount every year. So we review the limits, and by the way, they went up slightly for 2019, and then we adjust our automatic contributions so they go into effect in early January. I think the new year is the perfect time to increase your retirement contribution rate from the prior year. For instance, if you contributed 3% last year, make sure to bump it up at least 1% to 4% this year. Many people get a cost of living salary increase or a year-end bonus that takes effect in January. So that makes it a really good time to increase your savings. You probably won't even miss the money. But if you do have a financial hardship, you can always reduce your contributions or even stop making them altogether, which I don't recommend, but it's possible. So push yourself to save until it hurts. And if you're not feeling a little pinch in your finances due to your savings, you're probably not saving enough. While the deadline for workplace plans coincides with year-end for IRAs and most plans for the self-employed, you have until April 15 to make contributions for the prior year. All right, goal number three for me is max out my health savings account or HSA. If you have a high-deductible health plan, 
you're probably eligible for an HSA. And if you're not sure what that is, I've done several Money Girl podcasts on these. So just go to quickanddirtytips.com and do a search for HSA. You'll see the shows come up. These are terrific accounts because they allow you to save funds that can be spent tax-free on qualified medical expenses. And if you still have money in your HSA when you're 65 years old, it can be used for non-medical expenses without penalty, but income tax would still be due. So this is similar to a traditional retirement account. Just like with many retirement accounts, you have until April 15 to make HSA contributions for the prior year. My fourth goal is to prepare for taxes. Every year, I make a goal to begin working on my business and personal tax documentation as early as possible. Business tax returns are due in mid-March, so I work on those first by making sure that all tax-related expenses are categorized correctly and running reports for my accountant, and I've already gotten started on that. For as long as I can remember, I've had to file a tax extension on my personal return because I didn't have all my tax forms in time. This year, I'm aiming to have it filed by the mid-April deadline. My fifth goal is pay off all credit cards in full each month. I use credit cards for every expense possible because I love getting the rewards. But the downside, of course, is making a large expense that you don't pay off in full and having to pay a finance charge. One trick that's worked for me is using a charge card that must be paid off in full each month, such as the American Express Platinum Card. I love it because it comes loaded with rewards, but you typically cannot carry a balance from month to month. So having that pressure to pay it off each month helps me kind of stay honest and make sure those cards are paid off. Number six, review subscriptions and automatic payments. Having certain payments on automatic renewal is definitely convenient, but the downside is that you can forget who and how much you're paying. So the new year is a great time to review all of your recurring charges and cancel any that you are not using, such as gym memberships, entertainment streaming, magazines, or business services. So that's something that I'm going to do soon. It'll feel really good to review those and clean them up. My seventh goal is to use up what I already have. So one goal that I'm going to work on this year is using up what I've already got before buying something new. For instance, I love buying cosmetics and hair products, but I already have buckets of them. So I'm going to use up that bottle of serum or that spray before trying out a new product. My financial goals are pretty similar from year to year. You know, I always want to save as much as possible and make sure that my debt levels are going down or being eliminated. Because I max out my retirement accounts each year and I've got a very healthy cash reserve, I don't follow a specific budget. I have more of a top-down approach where I fund my most important goals first and then live on the rest. However, I would say that creating a budget may be an important goal for you that can help you keep all your other financial goals on track. If you've never created a budget or never tracked your expenses, you might want to try Mint, which is a free app that aggregates your transactions from any linked account, and it allows you to set a budget. 
Quicken is a more robust financial program that I love. It allows you to create and monitor a budget, create reports, track investments, and do a lot of advanced functions. And if you don't enjoy monitoring your cash flow by specific categories, one technique is to use a 50 30 20 spending plan. With this approach, what you do is you lump a variety of expenses into one of three categories fixed expenses, variable expenses, and savings. And those get a 50% allocation, a 30% allocation, or a 20% allocation. So for example, you would spend 50% of your take-home pay on fixed expenses. And these might not necessarily be the same from month to month, but they're your necessities. So housing, food, transportation, insurance, and debt payments. These are your necessities and everyday living expenses that you really just, you know, have to have. To have. And the next category is the variable expenses. You might spend 30% on things like dining out, entertainment, and clothes. These are the things that are nice to have, but not essential. And then the remaining 20% would go toward retirement savings and building an emergency fund. If this simple technique would help you get started with a spending plan and help you watch your cash flow more closely, then it's a win. And you can always refine your budget later on if you decide that you do want to measure specifics more carefully, such as how much you're spending at Starbucks or on makeup or drinks out with friends. You can kind of get as granular as you want. Before I wrap up, I want to thank Kat for sending in her voice message, and I also want to ask you one favor. I want to make this show the best it can be in 2019, and you can help me do that by taking a short listener survey. It's a quick way to let me know what you like, what you don't like, how we can improve. You'll find the survey at bit.ly slash moneygirlsurvey. Again, that's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Money Girl Survey. And I'll also include a link to this in my next weekly newsletter. If you're not on my newsletter list, I would love you to join. It's a short email that I send out most weeks filled with tips, tools, and resources that I think you might enjoy. If you want to get it, you can visit lauradadams.com or text me. Send a text to 33444. You would text the phrase, get updates with no space. Again, text get updates to 33444 to get on my newsletter list. Send me your money questions by leaving a voice message at 302-364-0308. Again, 302-364-0308. Or by sending an email through my contact page at lauradadams.com. And I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram at lauradadams. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from the lovely Beata Santora, at least temporarily. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. That's an easy, free way to give back, show your support, and help new listeners find us. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Oh, 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 o